1: Welcome to the Man Card Podcast, where we focus on real men doing real life in real time while living in the stress bubble of life. Males are born, men are made.
0: We're going to separate the men from the boys. A
1: man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed, saying, The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood the man card belongs to those protecting integrity fighting apathy pursuing god passionately leading courageously and finishing strong a man is as a man does enjoy today's episode men in the arena we
0: we salute salute you. you guys we are getting it done in the arena of life You are not in the crowd being anonymous, but you are in the arena where you are marred by blood and dust and sweat. That's awesome. Anyway, hey guys, we're here calling you in, calling you out, and calling you up to a higher level of manhood. I am here with our sound guy, Pat George. Hey, Pat. Morning. And that was, what, what was what that? Are you at, smoking, that was, smoker's yeah, cough, or what? Yeah. Gee. I don't know. My, uh, Put
1: dehydrated. out your palm all <laughs> de- 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 dehydrated anyway. me. Oh, yeah, I don't gosh. Know. I don't know.
0: Dehydrate. It's raining like a freaking Noah's Ark out there. How can you dehydrate? So <laughs> open your mouth and look up. Anyway, <laughs> and then uh, here with my nine-year Facebook friend, Dale Culver.
1: Yeah, but we go way further way so,
0: than that. Well, did you did you like what I wrote on Facebook? Yes. I mean, you're like, it's been nine years on Facebook, but you're like a a brother to me. And so you uh, really, a wart that won't go away. You're like a wart that won't go away. <laughs> it's like on your inner thigh. It's like an hemorrhoid, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I appreciate you, Dale. I appreciate all you do and uh you are more than a friend to me. So you're more like a brother. Oh, Crazy man. younger brother. Mm-hmm. But you're gray
1: and I'm bald, so whatever. I'm your grace builder. You're a grace builder. Yes, you are so how you doing my man? You doing I'm, all right? I'm doing wonderful. You've I'm had excited. a rough week I'm going to go take pictures of alpacas this weekend with my sweet wife. We're going to hang out for three days in Redmond, Oregon. And yeah, it's going to be a blast in a cold convention center. Yeah, it'd be awesome. All right. Well, you make a few bucks there taking a picture of alpacas. Alpacas. dude alpacas are pretty cool animals it just sounds weird when you say i'm gonna go take pictures of alpacas yeah well i, yeah, well, I have yeah. a
0: life so you know
1: so. yeah your weekend doesn't pay you like five grand <laughs> to like snap some pictures no i'm there, a non organization That's leader right. i don't get five grand for this anything. is all for our
0: christmas vacation well good for it's you, all man. right through good my fingers you. good for you man hey i am really pumped about the man card book
1: Oh man, I am too. I've been, too. Uh, I've I can't been knocking wait. that
0: out. It's it's looking good. The cover design, I'm not really fond of it, so we're working on some things. But yeah, that's going to come out in February. And I decided to give a free download to guys to just pre-read it and wow. just write a review on Amazon. So I just don't have get to get that for in that? the hands of guys. So huh? I don't have to pay for you that. You never have to pay, bro. Ugh. But now that you're an alpaca camera guy, you're now that you're rich and stuff. So hey, yeah. do you have a man word for today? You said I inspired the man word. Usually our, our guest in, uh, inspires the man word, but I inspired the man word? I'm
1: I'm almost certain I've used it before, but I can't guarantee it. But it's inspired. If it has a hyphen, you probably used it. It's inspired by Axl Rose. Axel Rose. You know oh, the Paradise word Paradise City? No.
0: Uh sweet
1: child of mine. No. I hope that didn't inspire. You gotta have a little <laughs>
0: patience. Yeah.
1: So the word is patience. Well, hold on a second. It's Yesterday
0: beautiful. you said that you lost all of the videos we filmed, yeah. and I thought I was incredibly patient. You no, you were you were forgiving and kind. I was patient. What? No. What, what? were you waiting for? I had stuff to do, man. I don't want to dwell on your epic fail. So I had lunch with you. Yeah. Who that, else is, is that? Have patient? lunch with you? Who else is going to take an hour to have lunch with you? I bought. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. You did You paid on my debit card for the company
1: card. <laughs> Gosh, I tell you what, uh, this wait. is entitled. This is how people are entitled. Mark, is this thing right here? <laughs> We're getting ready to get this podcast going, and Jim uh, just fires it up. Let's go! I can't hear anything, and I'm like, I haven't even got it set up yet. Hold I'm on! I'm just a second. excited, man.
0: About I'm excited about our guest for today I have too. And I have not, too. I mean, we've got a lineup, <laughs> and that Mark is kind of the start of what I would call Greatness. an epic lineup. And um, Mark, uh, he doesn't know this, he's 33 years old, but he's actually been kind enough and gracious enough to kind of. Uh, I don't want to use this phrase that sounds weird on fifty one, but <clears throat> he's been mentoring me a little bit with the podcast. Is that a tear? It is a tear. Oh my god. I'm goodness. a little bit I had a pumpkin spice latte today and I'm a little bit sensitive. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he's given me some great input and ideas. He's been super gracious. Uh, with his uh, knowledge Uh, mark is a 33 year old web developer and marketing tech and he's also a marketing technology guru for exo mountain gear which is my favorite backpack i don't own one i'm going to now that hunting season's over i'm going to get one i've I've got the color picked out mark and it's going to be a 55 the biggest one they got is it 5500 i think it is
2: yeah, the 55, yep.
0: Okay, yeah, so. I'm ordering it right now. And, I, and, I, and I've said this, I, guys, listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I steal a lot of great ideas. Uh, the Hunt Back Country podcast is my favorite podcast. And uh, Mark uh, is the guy who's kind of doing that thing, and they do it through Exo Mountain Gear. And if you're a hunter, uh, you need to check that out. They talk about backpack hunting, but they've got some great episodes on there doing one right now with rifles. It's just epic. And so uh, really enjoy, and I enjoy uh, your tagline, Mark. Uh, uh, what is it? It's something like, uh, no, uh, no.
2: Oh, what is it? No BS. Oh, and the, straight to the point. Yeah. And what else? No fluff and no BS.
0: No fluff and no BS and straight to the point. Those three things. Yeah. And that's really what it is. And so it's really good, man. So Mark lives in St. Louis, Missouri with his uh, wife, Jen. They've been married 10 years. Two children, Karis and Cameron. And how old is Karis again?
2: Uh, They're eight and five.
0: Eight and five. Wow, man. You're like right in the middle of the stress bubble.
2: Uh, Yes. (laughs) Oh,
0: man. So, holy cow. So, I look forward to talking to you, Mark. Are you you ready to rock and roll right now? Let's do this. Okay. We're going to get right into our rapid fire round. So, You ready for that? We're going to do the the fill-in-the-blank round. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just give you some sentences, and I want you to fill in the blank, okay? These are just – it's a way for our readers, our listeners, to get to know you a little better. Okay, you ready? Sounds good. I will eat anything put in front of me except – Mayonnaise. You don't like mayonnaise? mayonnaise. Not
2: at all. It's
0: not even a hamburger without mayonnaise. How do you eat a hamburger?
2: Seriously. Uh, with cheese,
0: <laughs> oh, okay. That's that's well. That's like kind 10. of mayonnaise.
2: 10. It's yeah. dripping
0: all over the place. Oh. Okay, uh, you know, I I yeah, I don't know. I won't eat mayonnaise when it's clear and been in the sun all day. But um, I actually it's... I won't
2: it in any form.
0: <laughs> well, you'll appreciate this, Mark. So my son Darby and I just got back from a uh, backcountry mule deer hunt, and I told you we got snowed on and got it. Kind of became a medical issue almost, and so we moved back down the hill. But uh, on that, we bring these little tuna packets that you can Mm -hmm. get there like in a, just a, like a foil packet, And I'm like, Darby, man, we've got to go by and get some mayonnaise packets for this tuna (laughs) because I just, anyway, and, and Starbucks now has a sriracha packet. Oh yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that. So anyway, okay. Okay. I'll take the mayonnaise, whatever we, uh, next one. If I could be anywhere right now, it would be.
2: Uh, uh, In the mountains with my family.
0: Really? With your family.
2: Yeah, I ha- I had my adventure for myself recently, so it would be good to get out with them and, and get some time away.
0: Are you going to have a bow on this adventure?
2: Well, if, if it's ideal, then yeah, we can do everything. So a little time for dad, a little time for the kids. We can work that bow in there.
0: That's a win win. Are the goats coming?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Okay. So the goats are. So Mark hunts with goats, they pack yeah. his. Uh, his game out and it's really unique and super cool. And so does your wife hunt or the kids, are they getting, getting that age where they're wanting to do that?
2: They're at the age where they want to. So I haven't taken them yet. Uh, But you know, I have them shooting BB guns and stuff like that, but yeah, they haven't uh, been in the ground blind or anything with me yet to get them out. So that's definitely on the agenda for this year.
0: Yeah. I remember when my kids were 12 10 to 12, they started, we, I bought waders for them, we got them in the duck blind, and the problem was a lot of cold feet, a lot of crying kids so, yeah. you, you know, the, the, the thing that I would pass on to a younger guy is, make it fun for them so, Yeah. <laughs> so, a tree stand is great as long as they're warm, if they're not warm it's not good, and so right. in fact, you'll appreciate this, Mark, so my son Darby and I, we walked in six miles, and at 3,000 feet of gain, with our packs for this mule deer hunt he was really, really sick the day before. And so I didn't think we were going to be able to go, but he's tough. So we got up in there. Now there's six inches of snow. We're wet because we're wearing, um, we're not wearing snow gear. We're wearing gear to hunt, but it's not snow. So we're getting wet. Thank God for the gator idea that you gave me. That saved us. But we're laying in the tent. Awesome. That, we're laying in the tent. And he goes, Hey, Dad, this isn't fun. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, so uh, it, it kind of got worse as it went, and we ended up coming out of the hills early. But anyway, um, so here's the next one. Number three, uh, I, if I were to explain my life as an animal, that animal would be?
2: Oh, man. Gosh, I have no idea. I've never thought of myself as an animal. <laughs> yeah,
0: no big deal. Yeah, th- some people call that your spirit animal, which I think is lame, but... Uh, yeah. yeah. I just heard a podcast with a guy named Todd Orr. He got attacked twice by a bear in oh, right. uh, in Montana. Yeah. He might be a good guy for your podcast,
2: but just a survivor. Yeah, I remember bear. seeing that story come up last year.
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Anyway, uh so here's one for you. I know you'll know the answer for this one. One cause I care passionately about
2: is um man, picking one is probably the most difficult. I don't know if this is a a a cause per se, but um Anything related to uh, especially young folks growing up without a father. Oh, whoa. Is there Are there
0: any organizations that you uh, support in any way or that you just think are awesome?
2: Um, there's some that I'm aware of, nothing that I've gotten involved with currently, but that's just kind of uh, an issue that I always have a, a spot for. Um, so there's things that, you know, I look out for personally to try and invest in, but yeah, in terms of organizations and that's why I said, I don't know if it could count as a cause at this point for me, but that's an issue that, yeah, I have a spot for. So
0: why is, is it, is it something in your past or is it something you've seen? What, what, what has drawn your heart that way?
2: Yeah. It's something in my past. Um, and then something that I've witnessed from others that I've done life with. I mean, I have an excellent dad, um, you know, pretty much everybody or not everybody, obviously, but a lot of people say they have the greatest dad in the world. And I, Mm. I truly believe that, but I've also, you know, grown up with people who, you know, either didn't have a father or had an absent father. And I've seen the difference that that Um, has made in their life. And I've seen the struggles that they've dealt with because of that. And so I think it's, I've seen the juxtaposition of, um, you know, thankfully what I've had, but then also the unfortunate conditions that others have been through. And I I can see a big divergence between those two.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, dads make a difference. Uh, Statistically, they make a difference. Uh, It's just any, and you know, I'm from a, I'm from a divorce situation. And so you know, I understand the pain of a divorce on a child, and uh, so that's just a that's a great cause, man. I I, I wish you know we we tend to uh, partner with those causes and we we take the the children's side of it, and we need to do that. But the Great Hunt for God and what we're doing over here, we're like saying, hey, we need to fix the men. Mm-hmm. We need to help these men from making mistakes that will create a wake of destruction behind them. And that's what you're talking about. So that's really good, man. I I really appreciate that. So, uh, one last thing here, If, if you had to give up your most prized possession, what would it be?
2: Um, man, I don't know that I have one right now. I, like an example that comes to mind is, uh, you know, when I graduated college and started my first quote unquote real job and all that, I bought a new truck and that was my prized possession at that point. Um, and I, did sell that for different reasons and circumstances, mainly um, because we were having a baby and my wife was going to stay home. So like, that's the thing that comes to mind in terms of giving up a prized possession. At this point, I have a, you know, 20 year old truck, so I don't. <laughs> I can hardly keep, keep uh, consider that as a prized possession. and uh, can't think of anything else that would really pain me to give up at this point.
0: So, so, okay. So we got three truck guys in the room.
2: If you could go buy a new truck off the lot,
0: what would it be, man? Uh, You can pick any truck you want. What's what's it going to be?
2: For me, it would be a a Toyota Tacoma, the TRD Pro. Come on, Tundra. Tundra. Say Tundra. You're killing me. Tundra. I I, I don't tow anything. I don't need that size. And for me, the Tacoma (laughs) is a my first. Toyota, baby. Yeah, definitely You got two Ford guys here,
0: and I have a Toyota Tundra.
1: Maybe someday it'll grow up to be a truck. Whatever, yeah. They tell me
0: it's a <laughs> high school kid car, and I'm like, well, when you're when you're when you're not done getting your diesel fixed and worked on, come talk to mine. Just yeah. goes forever. And it lasts forever. Seven hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. The Toyota Tundra is pretty nice, man, to haul kids around and stuff. But the Tacomas are great cars. So good, good job, man. Oh yeah. man. Well, so Mark, I am just, uh, I, I just on a personal level, man, thank you so much for not only coming on the podcast, but you've been. Super responsive with my questions about podcasting. We've got some tremendous guests coming on the show and really inspired by your ideas and thoughts. And so I just want to thank you, man. So thank you oh, for that.
2: That's cool to hear. No and problem. I
0: love your podcast. Can you just walk me through? You're, you're getting close to episode 100. Yeah. And so that's going to be really exciting. So tell me, what's the backstory? How You're in St. Louis, Missouri, where Hill's... You only have a hill, and when you build an overpass, right? I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you know. We, we were driving out there laughing because wherever there was a pond, there was an overpass, and we realized people were building, <laughs> making ponds <laughs> to get enough dirt to make an overpass. So, what got you into this hunt back country thing? Tell me the backstory.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed hunting when I was uh, young. Um, didn't have a ton of opportunity to do it, but did it some with my grandfather, just locally here, and it was really. Um, after college, when I got into the backcountry stuff, I had always enjoyed being outdoors, doing things in the mountains, hiking and backpacking, but never put that together, um, with the hunting aspect of things. And so those two came together for me after college, I just started it on my own, um, and started to learn how to do it, how to go out West and did a ton of research. Um, in that process, I started, uh, really blogging about it and writing about it and that grew, um, into something that I never expected, ended up along the way and figuring out that I enjoyed writing as well. So I got to, uh, end up writing in some magazines, uh, and other online publications to do something. Wow. Um, so that all kind of grew, um, which, you know, mm-hmm. led me into, uh, meeting Steve Speck, uh, owner of Exo Mountain Gear. We became friends, didn't initially, you know, weren't, working together per se, but now um, I work for Exxon Mountain Gear as well. And so that's kind of how that developed. And then Steve and I were talking and, you know, we through working sort of in the quote unquote industry, if you will, got to know so many um, neat guys and hear so many neat stories. And we're like, man, I wish we could share that, like share more of that, share what we learn, share the stories. And so that's when we decided to do a podcast of, you know, we knew a bunch of guys who had a bunch of knowledge to share, um, are awesome stories to tell. And so we decided to have those conversations and record them and, and do a podcast thing. It was on the cusp of, I think, podcasts becoming what they are now. Uh-huh. I mean, now two, two and a half years later, they're much more popular than they were then. Um, so it's, it's been a fun uh, wave to ride as the podcast has grown. Um, it's a super enjoyable thing to do. And you guys record
0: once a week, correct?
2: Yeah, roughly. I mean, they'll be like, you know, coming off September, really, both Steve and I were so busy with trips and Mm -hmm. and with hunts that we didn't hardly record in September, but we had some episodes sort of in the queue, and so we were able to still release episodes. And yeah, so some weeks, you know, we'll record two, um, but usually only release one. Some weeks we don't record, but have something lined up. So on average, we publish, yeah, about once a week. Now... Are you currently writing for any publications? I'm not, just because of time. boy, um, yeah. so I, I had my own site for quite a while, and it's still out there. It's just not active. And then I was writing for uh, Bowhunting.com a fair amount. I was in some print publications, uh, Field and Stream, Peterson's wow. Bowhunting, things like that. Wow, a little. But I just I don't have time to do it all at this point. With you know working a full time job, working for exo as well doing the podcast obviously the wife and the kids and you know how that goes it all becomes uh oh, yeah you can do anything but you can't do everything
0: so you're so you're not full-time with XO. you're doing that part-time correct oh yep. wow well earlier uh, we were talking about selling you know the truck that you would get and you said you had a truck and you sold it for your family because uh-huh. your wife was pregnant what led yeah. up to that decision how did that come about
2: uh it was just a decision that i made um i mean My wife was on board, but, uh, we just together, my wife and I made the decision that, um, she would stay home. She was a teacher and that she would stay home when we had kids. And so, um, you know, when she was pregnant, I, I just was looking at logistics of everything. And at the time I actually had the truck and and two motorcycles. Now I (laughs) don't have a truck nor two motorcycles. Um, but essentially it was just, you know, it was one of these deals where it's like, I could make it work financially, um, but to me, peace of mind is more important than stretching every dollar um, and living with the stress of, you know, not living below your means. And so with her staying home and going down to a single income, it was just it, from a from my perspective, it was a common sense decision to make.
0: And you made that without her. You just kind of pulled the trigger and said, I'm going to sacrifice for the family.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound like a hero, but yeah, it was it was my decision. She kind of tried to talk me out of it because she knew how much I enjoyed it uh, and liked it and worked towards it. But um, yeah, it was, it was my decision.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I don't want you to sound like a hero, but our unsung heroes out there are the guys like you, man, that are, that are sacrificing, that are working their butts off, that are, they're raising a family uh, that you're, it sounds like you have, you definitely and cognitively and consciously put your needs uh, or your family's needs above your own. And so um, that's really awesome, man. Was that hard to let go of the motorcycles in the new truck and buy a 20-year-old truck?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, it kind of was. Uh, Looking back on it now, it's like with the motorcycles, I still get to ride a little bit, Um, like I get to borrow a bike from a buddy or something. But so at this stage in life, there's just not time for it anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, those were all nice things, enjoyable things. uh, But it's hard to say from my perspective now that it was hard because what Mm -hmm. I've gained through having a family and and children and just, you know, peace and financial situations is worth a heck of a lot more than having a cool truck to me.
0: That's so good, man. I, I I wrote down that there's a cost and a payoff, right? So what's the cost of having all your stuff of being selfish uh, versus the payoff of being selfless? Uh, I'm putting together a message right now called others ish. You know, the opposite of selfish and being other and So, well, you know, it's really interesting, Mark, because I you know, like, you know, like, you know, I've said this out loud and I'll say it more. I'm a big fan of the podcast, your podcast. And it's really interesting when I listen to it. Um, you have a ton of knowledge. You're bringing phenomenal guests on this thing and uh at the last couple podcasts ago you guys kind of did a recap of august september the bow season and and you had your you know 10 day stretch in the mountains you got uh, got into a real pr- fairly severe snowstorm snow had to come out early and it's basically over for you uh mm-hmm. as far as the archery elk in the west cuz you live in St. Louis yeah but the other uh st- stories are there's story after story after story a lot of it is you know guys live in the west it's easier for us but do you ever get do you ever get um I don't want to use the word jealous, but do you ever feel like, gosh, I wish I could hunt this much or gosh, I wish I lived in the West. Do you ever feel like, oh, the sense of, oh man, my one hunt and I got snowed out. Do you ever have that sense of regret or, um, I don't know, envy?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's times that I do, um, on the flip side, you know, I try and look at everything from hopefully not a singular perspective and try and and have a, a, a broad perspective uh-huh. on the flip side to me is like the one big trip a year that I get to make is that much more special because it's the one big trip that I get to make. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of a, a pro side to it. Um, you know, that I have other opportunities, uh, here at home even though it's not the mountains that i, I wish it was yeah. and get to go you know do other things like uh as i know you're aware of jim went and did a, a big hike in idaho over the summer the uh i mean me, the death hike <laughs> Me and another buddy have you know taken uh, a quick trip to the Grand canyon we did a rim to rim hike there so for me like it's Ooh. um the hunting is awesome. I love elk hunting, but I get to sprinkle in other adventures throughout the year as well. I mean, that's just the way that I personally um, re-energize, I guess. My wife doesn't understand it because she thinks it sounds miserable to go live in the mountains in the cold and be discomfort, you know, in discomfort for a week. But for me, that's the way that I sort of uh, re-energize, I guess.
0: Well, you had a, a podcast, uh, Rourke Denver, and he said um, it was about embracing suffering. Yeah. And, there, you know, when we were in our tent, my son Darby and I, he's, he woke up in the morning. He had a real bad cough. His chest hurt real bad. He said, Dad, is it bad? He's 21. He's the toughest kid I've ever met. But he said, Dad, is it is it bad when you're thinking about survival more than hunting? <laughs> and and, yeah. and the night, we, you know, you go to bed early when you're in the back country because, you know, it, it gets dark and, and, and there's no TV. So we're laying in the bed in the snowstorm about 7 o'clock, and he's like, tell me what your fun hunting stories are. And so I started telling him these stories. He Goes well. Those don't sound fun to me. Well, yeah. I, what, I go well. It's it's about the suffering and it's about right. the pain and it's about the challenge and it's about you know killing that buck in 105 degree weather and you're wearing dark clothing. You're coming out of the hills after drinking out of a puddle. Going, I don't think I can make it. You know, why yeah. do I, why did I wear dark clothing? And and he's like, that's not fun. But there's a, there's a part of manhood that embraces suffering and embraces sacrifice, and we can look back on it after the suck <laughs> mm-hmm. and say, you know, that was pretty awesome. Why why yeah. are men like that? Why are we like that, man?
2: Yeah, I think there's I mean, first of all, I don't, you know, I'm not a I don't enjoy suffering in the moment. <laughs> if you do, it's not suffering, right? Yeah, um, exactly. So it's not that I'm masochism. Not, like, in pain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I think men in particular are wired to uh to want to prove themselves. Um, whether that's to themselves or prove themselves to others. Oh, that's and good. so, uh, in a way, I think like doing something for me of like these hunts that might be miserable or that might push me to my quote unquote limits. Um, it helps me find out what my limits are. It helps me know what that I'm capable of. And that really, at least for me, I mean, it transfers into all areas of life. So, you know, if I can make it through a tough week in the mountains in certain conditions, then I can make it through a tough conversation or I can make uh-huh. it through, you know, a tough whatever. So I think it's just in general, or at least from my perspective, guys are sort of wired to want to challenge themselves, challenge each other, and prove themselves to kind of know what they're made of. And so that just happens to be the way that I kind of live that out.
0: So, you know, but it's interesting though, it's kind, it's kind of sounds counter cultural in a world that, embraces comfort we, yeah. lo- we love comfort you're but right. you're saying even though we love comfort even probably more so a man has to experience pain and uh, suffering or challenge to really move beyond who he
2: is in this comfort zone right yeah I mean I don't think that comfort comfort doesn't bring anything um, oh, that's in good. terms of results comfort is just for that moment, comfortable. It's through suffering and through difficulty that things grow. Um, you know, you can take all the metaphors you want of, you know, the, the refining process and a fire and how this mm-hmm. comes or whatever you want to do, but it's, it's through discomfort. It's through effort. It's through work. Um, it's through persistence that ultimately you get to where you want to be. Um, it's not through comfort. It's not through ease or any of that stuff. Um, and again, that just doesn't apply to hunting. It applies to whatever, um, it applies to, you know, finances, relationships, whatever, like the easy way out doesn't get you out. It just, you're stuck. You're at best stuck, if not falling behind. Um, it's, it's through, you know, discomfort and through effort and striving that you are going to get somewhere. That's just the way that the world works. Man, that is deep.
0: That is really good, man. I appreciate that. So as a man, we have to embrace discomfort we have to challenge ourselves. We have to get out of the valley and start ascending the mountaintop, right? Mm-hmm. And so how, how does a guy, you know, you're 32 years old. I'm 52 almost. How do guys who have lived a life of comfort do that? And, and, and what are some things a guy can do on a regular basis to embrace this uh, discomfort,
2: yeah, that's the good thing is guys can do it a bunch of different ways. Um, yeah. and it, it is relative, right? So, um, you know, a guy who hasn't done anything outside doesn't need to suddenly go into the mountains for a week. Mm-hmm. Like that's just more foolish than anything. Yeah. Um, I think for me it, it boils down to uh, self-discipline. And so look at areas in your life where you are comfortable and in those areas you are not – practicing self-discipline or as much self-discipline as you could. Um, case in point, um, I like to, uh, stay fit and things like that. Um, but I don't go to the gym. I work out at home and and do stuff outside. And for a long time I've been doing stuff with kettlebells and sandbags and stuff like that. But just recently in my garage got set up with a barbell. So I'm touching a barbell for the first time since (laughs) high school. And so for me, it's like, that is, it's, it's humbling and it's, it's discomfort, but it's, I can go in in each workout make progress. It's small bits of progress. That's incredibly humbling knowing where I'm starting, but it's progress. Uh And so for me, it's like each time I go into that, it's not comfortable, but it's, um, it's a matter of the process. But that's one thing I think is always, I'm keeping in mind is it's about the process and not the outcome. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't, You can't get to where you want to be without putting in the effort, which we've talked about. And so don't just focus on where you want to be. Focus on how you get there and just focus on doing that well. Um, You know, I've heard it said that the people who are best at things don't try to be the best at things. They just try to get better, better than everyone else does.
0: Mm. Man, that is so good. Mm -hmm. So process versus outcome. So I want to go back to the death hike. How, Mm -hmm. How far was that hike?
2: Uh I think it w- it was a little over 40 like 42 43 miles somewhere in there. How
0: many feet of vertical gain?
2: Uh I would ca- be making up a number cuz I don't recall but it was like 6000.
0: Was it 9 or 11000 or some insane number?
2: Yeah, it was somewhere up there for okay,
0: sure. Okay, and and what's the and you live in the flatlands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so I'm I'm bringing this to a point because you made a comment on your podcast that and this is before I knew you lived in St. Louis, I thought you Uh lived in Idaho. And so when I heard it on the podcast, I was super impressed. Tell my listeners how you train for climbing mountains while living in the flatlands, specifically the step
2: ups. Yeah. Um, (laughs) they're not fun. They're not enjoyable, but they're incredibly effective. Um, and so, you know, I, I thankfully do have some, uh, short but steep hills that I can hike on mm-hmm. but even more so this year I just did because uh, I train you know every year to go elk hunting I've been doing this a handful of years and so even for this death hike and for elk hunting this year I did more just step ups than ever even more than hiking and so it's essentially just taking a bench or whatever I happen to have a box mine's 20 or 24 inches um and literally just step up step down step up step down and I would increase both the amount of time that I would do that, as well as the amount of weight that I had in my pack that I was wearing,
0: so you're wearing a backpack in your living yeah. room with a twenty four inch box, yeah, in front of the TV I don't know,
2: I was doing it outside on my patio, usually super early in the morning before my kids got up, yeah,
0: and so okay, so I do step ups for a workout, but I'm doing like
2: sets of ten sets of twelve what what, what are what how long are you doing this? Um, I mean, I did some sessions that were up to an hour and a half. Um, I've just yeah, just wow. kind of not stopped
0: that. See, this is why I wanted to ask the question because I'm going, This guy's insane. Okay, so so you understand it's really easy to walk in the hills and climb. Most of my hikes are probably a thousand to two thousand feet of vertical climb. Uh, and I'm in the mountains, it's beautiful in Oregon. You know, I'm a lot, I'm going to go hike with a buddy of mine. I hike every Thursday we go on this hike. And so, but, but sitting in the patio in the darkness with a backpack on stepping on a box, do you have music or are you just sitting there thinking
2: things through? Either thinking things or, you know, listen to a podcast or something like that. Um, Yeah. Usually the longer ones I have to have something to try and zone out on because it's, it's, I mean, it's, just not fun it's boring so there's yeah usually trying to do a podcast or something for those.
0: okay so you're on the death hike there are and i told you i want to do the death hike i'm already thinking about a route here in oregon so when you guys start expanding this let me know but anyway so when you yeah pat and dale are going heck <laughs> no we're not going you're gonna go, George. You're gonna go. <laughs> hey, I'll go. Culver, you're going. Five okay, pay. I've already got three guys, man. So <laughs> cool. what do I need? Thirty guys? How many guys did you have on the on the on this? And where did you fit in the in the? It sounded like you were at the front of the pack with all of these hardcore
2: guys. Yeah, we um, we had 22, 24 guys uh, somewhere in there. Um, <clears throat> the area that we were in was a, a federally designated wilderness area, and there's some restrictions on if you're doing like an organized hike, how big your group size can be. And I think that was six or eight. And so we essentially started the day um, with like a delayed start. So a group of six to eight guys would leave, wait a little bit, another group would leave. So we weren't in one giant pack just because we were trying to obey the rules. Um, But throughout the day, um, you know, guys would – Sometimes we would meet up with each other, you know, if the front group Uh stops eventually the second is going to get to him type thing. And so then some guys would stay back or some guys would go to the front group. So there was, there was a lot of mingling and moving and shuffling, um, throughout the day. And then there ultimately ended up being, um, three different groups towards the end of the day. One that, uh, went through and pushed through the night and finished the hike. And then two that camped, um, at it kind of separate spots because one group was further along than another. So wow. the original plan was to uh, split the hike in half and camp. And so two of the groups ended up doing that.
0: Wow. Hey, Mark, we're going to take a, a short uh, break uh, to hear from our sponsor of the Man Card Podcast. We'll be back in a minute. The Man Card Podcast is sponsored by The Great Hunt for God and our mission to transform lives through teams of men. Because when a man gets it. Everyone wins. So start a team in your city today. Simply go to our website, www.TheGreatHuntForGod.com, or download the Great Hunt for God app. It's free. It's awesome. Under the gear section, you will find all the resources needed to launch a team in your area. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that relies heavily on the monthly gifts from our financial champions. If this podcast has helped you get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Please consider becoming a financial champion today with a minimum $25 a month gift. When you do that, you'll receive the Field Guide, My Bathroom Book for Men. Just click on the Give button at the Great Hunt for God app or go to the website, again, www.thegreathuntforgod.com. Click on the Give button in the menu drop-down. Thank you again for championing the
2: cause of the Great Hunt for God.
0: Okay, so, okay, Mark, now you were part of that group that pushed through the night, correct?
2: Yeah, there was four of us that, uh, decided not to camp, not to stop and just finish the whole thing. Um, and so we ended up, so the way that the hike worked is, um, we, the day before the hike, all 20 of us or 20, whatever we met at a a certain spot and set up a camp and then, uh, camped that night. And then the next morning we had guys take us in trucks up to the beginning of the hike, which was a two and a half or three hour drive through the mountains. And so, the, essentially, the, the goal of the hike was to hike back to that camp that we'd previously previously established. And so, there was four of us that, um, you know, we didn't we didn't camp out in the backcountry. We just hiked all the way through and went straight back Holy to the cow. camp we had set up.
0: Yeah, I I knew this. Here's here's my here's why I'm getting to this point, Mark. These guys, most of these guys, are from the West where there's hills. Mm-hmm. Except for you, were you the lone flatlander?
2: Yeah, the. Four of us that went straight through um, – well, actually, there was – I think I was the only under in the trip, period. But of the four of us that went straight through, one guy was from Idaho, uh, one guy was from Oregon, and one was from Washington, actually.
0: So this is impressive to me, Mark, that you're a guy who doesn't have hills like we have in the West yet. You're right in the front of the pack, man. So you've really embraced this um, – concept of discomfort, this discomfort, and you've embraced this concept of the process over the mm-hmm. outcome. Um, I have a, a, an author I, I read, uh, Henry Cloud wrote a book called Nine Things You Simply Must Do. In that book, he said, uh, number one, one of the nine things was play the movie. In other words, See the Stephen Covey says see the end at the beginning in his book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So when it Mm -hmm. comes when it comes to life, it sounds like you have at thirty three years old really understood this process. When you get guys on the podcast, your podcast, do you ever listen to their stories and the time they spend away from their families and just think, wow, I'm not sure this guy's playing this movie out, or I'm I'm not sure this guy's seeing the process. Or the outcome? Do you ever have like weird thoughts like when you see guys and you think, "Oh man, this guy. I wish I could help him see beyond the hunt." Do you ever have that happen?
2: Yeah, and more than that, I think I see their conditions and think through if I lived that way, how would it affect my quote unquote movie or my end result. Because uh-huh. um, some of these guests I don't know well, so I can't speak for yeah. what they even have kids yeah. or what you know, like what that situation is. But most of the time. Um, yeah, I'm thinking through n- not just with podcast guests, but with anybody I see or observe or do mm-hmm. life with of, okay, if, if I take that approach, what does that do downstream for me? Um, you know, it, again, like the goal is important. The end is important. The process is important. You have to know where you're going. And so for me, it's like, as you know, over say a long distance, shooting a rifle, shooting long range, 800 uh-huh. yards if you're off just a little bit in the beginning, like as as time passes, as yardage passes, as that elapses, the amount that you will be off in the end can be, you know, great. And so for me, it's, it is. It's like you mentioned, you know, having the end in mind and looking at that. And so I'm always kind of, looking at different scenarios and then wondering, okay, how would that play out? Like, where does that get me in the end? Where does that take me? Where does that take my family? What does that do to my relationship with my kids when they're in college or beyond? See, I mean, those things are, you know, in my mind for sure.
0: That sounds like wisdom to me. How does a guy get wisdom? Have you heard that country song that says, how can I be young and uh, old and wise if I'm not young and crazy? Have you heard that country song?
2: <laughs> I don't think so. No, oh,
0: there's a the chorus of it is uh, "How can I be old and wise if I'm not young and crazy?" What do you think about that? H- what is your gut reaction to those lyrics?
2: Well, it just makes me think of like the old adage of um, you know you can learn from your own mistakes or you can learn from the mistakes of others, and so you know I, I I've certainly made my own mistakes, um, but. But more than that, and learning from my own mistakes, I I look at uh, just again, like with the end in mind. I look at other men who I'm like, I want my life to be like that, Yeah. and then try and figure out how they did that. And those are sometimes guys that I know personally, but it, it could be a book, it could be uh, a biography, it could be a podcast, it could be all kinds of things of hearing what other men do and hearing what that gets them for good or for bad and then figuring out how I want to integrate that into my life or if I want to avoid it.
1: So on with your spouse, um, is she, cause usually we're attracted to opposites. Is she more mm-hmm. of the free, um, go with the flow type of person?
2: She, yeah, somewhat like, um, she, she's not as OCD as I am. We can put it that way. <laughs> Cause you was um, trying to be nice. You're
1: kind of like my yeah.
2: wife and I'm the
1: woohoo, let's just go. And
2: yeah, I mean, she's not crazy. She, she kind of likes, she appreciates that I'm a planner and, and strategic and all of that for sure. Um, she doesn't have to be that way as much, obviously, because I am. Um, but yeah, she, she thinks with some things I'm a little bit, uh, obsessive.
1: <laughs> well, that's, yeah, go ahead. No, that's. That's great. We, we need that. I mean, I need that person in my life to balance me. And so I'm, I'm thankful for my wife. But then, you know, she needs me to help her to like, relax, and let's just go do something and, and not overthink it. But like, I'm not allowed to even plan a surprise party for her because she has to know the details and plan the details.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, she she really realized what she got into. We knew each other for a long time before we got married. So she knew, but just to give you an example of like you get married and then you really know type thing. Right. Um, the first vacation trip we did, it was just the two of us and she had never been West of Missouri. And so I wanted to take her out West and we did like a two week road trip and, you know, had all kinds of cool stuff. Um, I had a binder of like, this was like kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't pre internet, say, but it was phone. And I literally had a binder of like, every step of the directions every hotel reservation yep. every number i needed every everything that's my wife. Um, and so at that point she was like oh yeah that's how we i want this guy for my husband yeah,
1: that that like, is that is jim too can't go on vacation without like all right what are we doing at two o'clock today what are we doing at 3 yeah. o'clock? Okay, first of all, you've never been on vacation with me. No, people talk. Oh,
0: gosh, I hate when they do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll time. tell you what, I'll tell you, what, Mark, I really appreciate your outlook on life and your wisdom. I'm looking at Pat George and we're like, are we sure this guy's 33 years old? He sounds like he's like 60. And yes. so, uh, man, I just really appreciate this. So we had a phrase uh, in the when we first launched The Great Hunt for God, and the phrase was lead from the back. Uh-huh. So I want you just to picture that for a second and tell me what do you see there? I mean, cause I mean, we always hear a tip of the spear, lead from the front, which those are all true. But when you say lead from mm-hmm. the back and you're behind your family, what are some things that a leader can do back there to help his family navigate the way?
2: Yeah. The thing that comes to mind and I've never thought about this concept, so I'll probably be rambling, but the <laughs> thing that comes to mind initially is just encouragement. So if you're behind someone Um, you can encourage them, you can push them on, you can, um, you know, have them strive towards as you're behind them, strive towards what they were headed towards. Um, You know, I think of just little stuff like my daughter's into gymnastics now and and I don't get gymnastics. I can't do any of the stuff, but I can be behind her. I can support her. I can encourage her. I can kind of hold her up when things get difficult. And so for me, it's, yeah, those things of like, if you're behind someone or, Leading from behind. It's really support and encouragement, uh, is the things that come to mind for me.
0: Yeah. And I think I would add one thing, and it would just be seeing the big picture. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, that's like a coach or a general. They're not, unlike Braveheart, which is an awesome movie. You know, they're not leading the charge. Those guys are in the back watching the thing develop, strategizing, you know, uh, and they're seeing the the end of it all at the beginning. And so that is just, uh, that's really good stuff, man. I, I really appreciate that. So if your wife were here with us right now, Mark, what would she want to change about you as a as the leader of her household?
2: Um, Probably the stuff we talked about. She would probably want me to relax a little bit more. Um, <laughs> to, to, to not, I don't want to say take everything seriously because I'm, I'm laid back with others. I'm just very, um, I guess, uh, strategic with everything that I do personally. And so sometimes, like, she wants me to shut my brain off and just be, Uh, you know, versus always planning and, yeah, always strategizing type thing.
0: Yeah, because you come across really laid back. Uh, the way you communicate is laid back. You're saying things that we're shaking our heads, going, "This guy's a stud," mm-hmm. but you're saying them with a monotone, like it's no big deal, <laughs> uh, uh, you know. And so, but you definitely are laid back that way, and how you've responded as far as the questions I've had over the podcast stuff. Uh, yet you are definitely a guy who's a strategic thinker, and so that is super, super cool. Well, hey, if you ever want to come to mountains. I mean, we could figure something out over here, man. So if you want to come out here, feel out west, or even if you want to experience duck blinds, um, and you fly out here, man, we'll take care of you.
2: Sounds like a blast. Yep.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, gosh, this death hike, how how old's the oldest guy in this death hike? I mean, I'm 52, and I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a, I don't know, I'd like to say I'm in shape, but I mean, how old are these yeah. guys?
2: Um, I mean, we certainly had some guys in their upper 40s. I don't know if we, because I didn't know all of them yeah. uh, well, but I don't I don't think we had any guys in their fifties, but it would be awesome if you would be the first <laughs> oh, dude. I don't know, man. We I think I, I'm,
0: I'm taking that as an invitation. Pat, you're yeah. in sixties. So fifties yeah. and sixties. We could do so, it. So I don't know. I would love to do that. I just don't know how hard this is. Yeah. Anyway, Pat would that sounds like a challenge, <laughs> not a challenge from you, Mark, just a <laughs> personal challenge. So yeah. no, that's, that's so cool. And I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, we are super pumped, uh, to have you, man. And, um, Oh, man. How can we get a hold of you, Mark? I mean, HuntbackCountryPodcast.com, is that the best email address?
2: Um, Yeah, my email, uh, you can just do Mark at XOMountainGear.com if everyone wants to email. Um, The podcast is, yeah, HuntbackCountryPodcast. If you search in iTunes or Stitcher or any of those places, um, or XOMountainGear.com forward slash podcast will get you... Uh, all the episodes in the back catalog as well.
0: Yeah, it's pretty easy to get a hold of your podcast, and I've really, really enjoyed it. Really appreciate you coming on. And so thanks so much for taking time to share with your wisdom and experience at 33 years old, man. So impressive. Yeah, man, our men in the arena are excited to have you uh, be a part of this today, man. So guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast, helping us transform the lives of men and those they love is as simple as one, two, three, uno, dos, tres, number one. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Number two, share us with your social media friends. And three, write a positive review. Give us your input, guys, and topics you'd like to hear about or men you'd like us to go get on this podcast. We want you to become the best version of you. So make sure you uh, keep your head in the arena. And your butt out of the bleachers. Man, I just made that up just there. That was was pretty good. golden. Hey, next week we have Bill Perkins, author of, gosh, a ton of books on men. It's going to be a great podcast. So until then, guys, get in the arena, get dirty, grind it out, and
1: be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of a man then purchase your own copy of the field guide our bathroom book for men jim wrote this book for men who don't read books it's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories you will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year that's right 365 daily readings on what a man is and does get your copy for you and your friends on our website at thegreathuntforgod.com you will also find our five book man card series Grab several copies, recruit some friends, and champion the cause for men today. We are a donor-supported, nonprofit organization with the mission to transform the lives of men and those they love. If today's podcast has inspired you, consider being a financial champion by going to The Great Hunt for God and click the Give link in the menu drop-down. Also, download The Great Hunt for God app today. It is available in all the app stores for all devices. It has videos, podcasts, our store, and many other links to the world of The Great Hunt for God. Thank you for listening, and good hunting.